0: With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org slash future. That's PlannedParenthood.org
1: slash future. Here's an HIV pill dilemma for you. Picture the scene. There's a rooftop sunset with fairy lights and you're vibing with friends. You remember you've got to take your HIV pill. Important, yes, but the fun moment is gone. Did you know there's a Long-acting treatment option available? So catch the sunset and keep the party going. Visit PillFreeHIV.com today to learn more. Brought to you by Vive Healthcare.
0: Greetings, sisters, ladies. We are working overtime this week, aren't we?
1: (laughs) We are. Back, back, back
2: again. Back again. (laughs) We are here twice this week. Like we never left. I'm Sam Sanders. I'm Saeed Jones. And I'm Zach Stafford. And you're listening to Vibe Check. I want to just say greetings, Earthlings, because all I can think about this week is aliens. Girl, they're Uh coming for us. Well, before we get to more alien chats, um, let's tell you what we're actually talking about this episode, because the aliens aren't actually real, but there are real things happening in this world, especially in East Palestine or Palestine, Ohio, which have different pronunciations depending on where you live, which we're going to explain and break down after that news finally started breaking over the weekend. And then also, in the spirit of the season, we are going to give a bit of heartbreak advice to one of our listeners who really touched us. And I think we have a lot to say and share with this person. But before we get into all of that, how are we all feeling? Sam, how you doing? In the moment
0: right now, I'm feeling good because in my Peloton class this morning, they played the unedited WAP for part of the ride. Who played fun. the
2: unedited WAP? Don't say Cody.
0: No, girl. I'll tell you later.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> just to check. <laughs> uh,
0: but besides that, I'm just, I mean, as we've mentioned, I'm reeling over these unidentified flying whatevers. I, I think they've said don't call them UFOs, but they're freaking High out. velocity
2: objects. Sure. That's the term
0: we're using. <laughs> sure. Them space niggas.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. No.
0: It, it is. was wow. bound
2: to happen <laughs> Not aliens being black.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's got me shook the most is like just the comedic response from the White House. On more wow. than one occasion at this point, a White House spokesperson has said, no, 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 don't worry. It's not aliens. We're sure. You want to know how to get Americans to worry about aliens? Have say a government sure. official say, don't worry about aliens. <laughs> I'm just like, who is in charge of comms right now? Because that is not helping. So my vibe is just like... Biden and them, please say the right thing. That's my vibe.
2: Yeah. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I'm also, like, living for the entertainment of this. Because if they're arriving, I have really taken <laughs> to to heart what Saeed said about nuclear war. You know, if you're going to die, it's just kind of over. It's, it's, gonna have a like, it's a moot point. It's a moot point. I truly do not actually know how to deal with aliens. And I'm just going <laughs> to learn in real time or die trying. So, you know, it's just, I'm over it. <laughs> I feel
1: like when it comes to something like... Nuclear catastrophe, which is what we talked about last time, or aliens. I'm like, your death in that instance is none of your business. true <laughs> You won't even be here. To- <laughs> <laughs> Truly, yeah. doesn't matter. Your rel- death in that situation ain't got shit to do with you. So just go on about Let your it. Happen.
2: Let it happen. <laughs> well, Said, how are you feeling? You're less existential about these things than we are.
1: <laughs> I am decidedly less existential about. It's one of the few things that I'm not existential <laughs> about. Um, I'm cool. You know, it was interesting. Obviously, we did our um, very special Rihanna episode over the weekend. And that was really fun. I'm proud of us, may I say? Mm-hmm. I'm proud Same. of us for... It was good. You know, getting it together and all that kind of stuff. And thank you to Chantel and Nora, our producers. You know, it's a team effort. Um, And, you know, working on the weekend. Whew. But also, it's just... It's really a trip now. I was having lunch yesterday down the street from my apartment and and two, I think they were gay, two gay guys sat down next to me and they were having lunch and they were watching the halftime on their phone, and it was this commentary over whether they thought she was working hard enough or mm. not. And, and I've heard that from a lot of people. People are like, I felt like she, you know, she held back or didn't give enough. And even, you know, some people have gone so far as to say, even if she is pregnant, well, when Beyonce was pregnant, she, I mean, it's just, I, it's this really, you know, it's kind of like you can never know what someone is thinking. You can make assumptions, mm-hmm. but you also, like, you, you, I have no idea what's going on in another person's body. And certainly as a person without a uterus, I have no idea what's mm-hmm. a reasonable, ex- you know, I just, I enjoyed the show. I thought it was great. And I also thought it was very in line with Rihanna's performance style. What are we, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. just, it's just been
2: a little weird. It's so been a little you, weird watching you that. You hit the nail on the head. Someone stopped me on the street today leaving the gym to talk about this because they were feeling very conflicted and they knew mm-hmm. we had done an episode. And I said to him personally, when have we ever thought of Rihanna as a Beyonce level dancer? Like mm-hmm. this is what were y'all She expecting? would tell you that she's ain't me. Never. She's yeah. never been like, girl, I can dance my ass off. No, she said, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. And I'm having the best time right now. And I'm high maybe. I mean, I don't know what she was doing on that <laughs> stage. But typically she gets you know, a little puff up pass, does her performance and leaves. That's it. This is the thing about Rihanna that always works for me. Like, she
0: resonates with me so much because she feels extremely relatable. She's doing dances I could do. She's singing all the songs that I've been Mm -hmm. singing for 10 years. You know, like, it it feels accessible in a way that some of the other divas do not to me. And I like that. I also think, as we say in the episode, like, the beauty of Rihanna is an almost effortless performance of her power. That's the point. So celebrate that.
1: Also, the Teletubbies. So cute. I love them. I love those white LW yeah. dancers. Um, and, and another thing, and again, you know, I think someone's already lost me the moment they start trying to compare another woman to another yeah. woman. Like, you know what I mean? That part, like that, you've that already kind of lost yeah. the game. Um, but I I always think about in the homecoming documentary, Beyonce says, after putting on this performance, after giving birth, she says, I'll never do that again. Yeah. So I'm like, <laughs> even if you've jumped, you know, off of logic and decided to compare one performer to Beyonce. I'm like, Beyonce has said, you know, that was she's cute, tired. but I wouldn't recommend it, basically. Yes. So, um.
0: I also feel like Rihanna models a mode of personal sustainability that I want to mirror. Uh-huh. She she sustains herself by protecting herself mm-hmm. and like pacing herself. Yeah. I admire that. That's yeah. goals.
2: Mm-hmm. She's yeah.
0: going to do enough to be enough, but she's not killing herself for us.
2: Definitely. Good for
0: you, girl. And you.
2: you know what, her not killing herself for us, even though I think she did, she did incredible work out there, but she created space for a supernova that people are finally taking notice of. And that is the Justina Miles, the interpreter <gasps> yes. of the show, which we forgot to mention,
3: who know I got her. to
2: work with three years ago when I okay. met her. I thought, you're a star. Like this is. She's been doing wow. this kind of interpretive uh, ASL dancing for years on TikTok and Instagram. And she's been like bubbling, not gone super, super viral, but she's always floating, floating around. And she's from Philly. And I was working on an event in Philly okay, got to meet I her. That. And she yeah. just is such a wonderful person. And to huh. see, like, I think overnight she got 100,000 followers. Violet Davis is tweeting about her. It's just like, it's really something to see. And I think Rihanna, I have faith that that team saw her in like the ether and thought we can really bring light to her because she really has blown up overnight. She did it's it. Amazing. I loved it. Zach, how are you feeling? I have thought about ways to ingratiate myself to the aliens all week <laughs> as I've been watching this <laughs> <until>. <laughs> What is the number one way to ingratiate yourself to the aliens? Earth is hell. Earth is hell. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, get me too. off this hell plane. Yeah. I also will lovingly drag Steven Spielberg's E.T. I'll be like, that wasn't great representation. I mean <laughs> awful i get it I as a black like queer like person like holding, i understand holding up a
1: little one of those traveling speaker boxes and playing like beyonce's america has a problem yes <laughs> because one, because one no, no one can hear that song and not get their lives and i believe yes. that is true throughout the galaxy mm-hmm. but also it's like it has a problem like I, we're not arguing <laughs> no. with you alien superstar <laughs> you got to play
0: alien superstar oh, yeah, man, it's, come in. come on right. Beyonce
2: knew. Beyonce knew. (laughs) Beyonce knew. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, before
1: we get into the episode, we want to thank all of you who sent us fan mail and reached out to us on social media. We love hearing from all of y'all. Keep it coming at VibeCheck at Stitcher.com. But okay, who child? A lot's going on. Let's jump in, shall we?
0: Let's do it. All right, we're going to start this week with a truly troubling story out of Ohio. Said is in that state, so I'm going to pass the mic to him as soon as I can set up some key facts. You've seen by now, you've heard by now, that on February 3rd, around 9 p.m., about 50 train cars on a Norfolk Southern train slid off the rails in East Palestine, Ohio. East Palestine is about 50 miles northwest of Pittsburgh, and its population is about 4,700. The photos and the video are crazy. These train cars had some very strong and dangerous chemicals on board. Chemicals with fumes that can be deadly to humans in high doses. And after this derailment, there was an explosion in this cloud of dark smoke that billowed for miles just there in the area. There was a fire and then there was another controlled burn to get rid of these fumes. But... The aftermath is still happening. So far, about 2,000 people have had to evacuate their homes, at least. There are several investigations into how safe the area is right now. The EPA says hazardous materials are still being released into the environment out there. And from what we can see and hear on the scene, it's bad. I'm going to quote the New York Times right now. They said, quote, Some residents said that fish and frogs were dying in local streams. Some shared images of dead animals or said they smelled chemical odors around town. Many residents have complained about headaches and feeling sick since the derailment, and lots of folks are not sure when they can go back home. In the midst of that crisis, there are questions about how officials are handling this. A reporter was arrested last week after being accused of being too loud at a press conference the governor of Ohio was holding on the catastrophe. He was charged with disorderly conduct and criminal trespassing just for doing his job. And the company that owns these trains, Norfolk Southern, they have a very interesting record. They are one of the corporate funders of the so-called cop city that's being built in Atlanta. They're already being sued by East Palestine residents to make sure they cover costs tied to recovery. And the first pledge they made to deal with all of this was only $25,000. That's it. It boggles the mind. There's so much to unpack here, but I want to start by just asking Saeed, what is it like out there? You're in the state.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, rattled, concerned, heartbroken. Something that might be helpful to consider is this region. This part of Ohio is really where Appalachia starts, um, where West Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Ohio come together. So think about the history of Appalachia. Think about the history of mining in this country, what it's done to that region in particular. Think about the fact that that part of the state, it's closer, I would argue, I think, to Cleveland, Ohio, than it is to me here in Columbus. And i Attention to Cleveland, Ohio, because that's where we get to the Cuyahoga River, mm-hmm. which in the 60s was famously on fire all the time, a really another famous, infamous moment of environmental destruction in our country's history. So I'm just saying that context to like think about what it means to we talk about intergenerational trauma often, but you know, that's also true for regions for where people live. And so think about. At this point, there are people there where multiple generations of families have been through these kind of disasters. In terms of what people are feeling, I wanted to go straight to what I am hearing and seeing from residents in the area. You know, I'm not going to try to speak for them. Um, an excellent article that we can link to in the New Republic by Prem Thakur, he spoke to So many residents, and I just want to go to two people in particular, and I've got to tell you, by the time I was done reading their stories, my hands were shaking, so, you know, there's the context. Amanda Greathouse told the New Republic that she and her family evacuated within one hour of the incident and did not return until February 10th to get important documents like IDs, you know, that kind of stuff that you really need. They said just being in their home, their eyes were burning, sore throats, rashes, migraines immediately. The next day, they waited in line for four hours at Norfolk Southern's Family Assistance Center to get the, they're giving these like $1,000 inconvenience and just do that's the math. all that's mm-hmm. all do the math wow. think about you your partner your children your pets gas awesome. hotel food the, the language. language
2: inconvenience like, yeah that word inconvenience just feels really feed. yeah like wow nice. Yeah.
1: for something that you might be dealing with for decades okay so they wait in line for four hours for this one thousand dollar check y'all get ready they were told by norfolk southern that they didn't have enough documents so this family had to go back to their home and to get, get sick the again. documents and left with renewed symptoms. Wow. That's one family. That's Amanda Greathouse and her family. Another example. Another resident um, who lived near the crash site is named Chelsea Simpson. She suffered a sore throat. Her eight-month-old baby. Uh, suffered respiratory issues. They had to go to urgent care. They gave her an antibiotic. They gave the baby a steroid. After Simpson visited her home for 10 minutes a few days ago, her eyes were bloodshot and burning. She was told by the company that she would receive reimbursements for expense receipts, but would not qualify for that $1,000 inconvenience check, despite being within one mile of the evacuation zone. I mean, it's again, and this is just two families. Yeah.
0: Just hearing you talk about that, I can't help but compare that to the response that business owners got during the pandemic. Remember when Joe Biden was throwing money at them faster Mm -hmm. than they could absorb Mm -hmm. it? Remember that? Mm -hmm. If you even claimed to be a business owner, tens of thousands of dollars at least went to you. People were getting the checks and then
1: freaking out because they were like, I don't even, how am I supposed to spend this? What am I supposed to do?
0: Meanwhile, you've got working class people who are clearly in a crisis having to struggle and beg for a thousand dollar check. The math ain't mathin'.
2: No, it's not math thing. And it's also, you know, we could get into the details around, is this being reported enough? Is the media covering up? There's been a lot of allegations being thrown around. But I think at the end of the day, what I connect the dots here is that a lot of residents have said, we feel like there's not enough attention on us about this. And there isn't. There's not enough resources going their way. We're not talking about it enough on the front pages of newspapers. Enough. I think it, there could be more. But also, we have evidence in that Secretary Pete Buttigieg took 10 days, according to CBS, to finally make a comment on something that was specifically about transportation. Uh, in an area of the country, like this town is very close to South Bend, Indiana. I think Mm. it's only like a two-hour drive from where he's from. That's a good point. So it's like very close to him. And I know that he always feels that he's getting attacked because of a thousand reasons. But this is literally in the area of the world in which he grew up as a politician, as a young person. And he hasn't swooped in to do much until just today or yesterday, giving a statement. And and it just says we're monitoring. And I just think because these are low-income people, you know, we Mm -hmm. hear this a lot within climate change activism, is that there would be no climate issues without racism, without classism. And this is a great... Example of that. The reason why we're not seeing a rush to deal with this is that it's not a you know really. They're not rich. Uh, they're not rich. If this happened in Beverly Hills, baby, oh my God, would be there yeah. are no trains in Beverly Hills. Literally. There's a no reason for that. So Literally. there's like a big structural problem. Yeah, here. and the lack of attention is really showing kind of these systemic problems we all live within.
0: Well, and when you talk about structural problems, one of the things that I've been reading about this week about this story is the systemic lack of oversight over companies like Norfolk Southern. There's some really good reporting out from several outlets, including levernews.com, but they found that for years, this company has been fighting regulations that would better regulate the transport of hazardous materials like those that burned up last week. They were fighting regulations that would better maintain the brakes on these trains, and the brake failure caused this derailment. And in the midst of all of that, they also have been tightening down on staff numbers, which led some workers to say, we don't have enough people working these trains to keep them safe. So at every turn for the last decade plus, companies like Norfolk have been fighting the very rules that would have prevented this. And the lack of Mm -hmm. oversight from the federal government and the state government is also looming large
1: in all of this. This could have been prevented. Absolutely. To get into the politics of this, which I would say are complicated. Um, This is not a red state, blue state, binary, if you really are paying attention. But one thing I want to pay attention to is the way in which the mythic white working class voter in the downtrodden town, we know that narrative, the way that archetype, more so than the reality of these people, and that's what I'm trying to get to, not the people, but the archetype of them, is weaponized against black queer people for example you know come election time is is weaponized against immigrants is weaponized against Things like healthcare, And then when push comes to shove and the cameras go away and the campaign is over, well, I'm like, forget about the archetype of the white working class. Let's talk about the actual people there because you aren't serving these people that you've been using as a rhetorical cudgel against the rest of us. Mm -hmm. It's so pointed, you know? So it's interesting to see the narratives of like, well, how did those people over there vote? And I'm like, you're missing the point. The point is everyone is getting hurt. Mm -hmm. Everyone is getting hurt, no matter who they voted for. And frankly, the federal government has a lot of control over trains. So it's not so easy to be like, oh, well, you know, we have a Republican governor here. There's a lot going on that people are missing.
0: This is the thing. When people in an abstract way kind of say, well, we should defund the government and lower everyone's taxes and Mm -hmm. cut regulations. You know what those taxes and regulations do? This is it. They prevent these kind of accidents. Mm -hmm. It's not sexy. It's not fun. But the government has people that make sure this shit doesn't happen. And they need to be supported. And I think that should be a thing in moments like this where supporters of either party can say, I don't
1: know, we might need more of that. We might need more of that. Yeah. And right. it's it's really striking. And thank you, Zach, because I hadn't connected the dot. You're right. You know, the way he acts, one could forget he's from South Bend, Indiana, <laughs> I and mean, we're keeping indeed. it 100. <laughs> um, but also, I mean, think about Biden's, you know, think about like, I- I'm interested in like kind of career campaign mm-hmm. mythology, right? And the way that when push comes to shove, someone like Biden works really hard to align himself with labor yeah. movements, with unions, and certainly, you know, From Pennsylvania, he's always like, I'm just Joe down the street. You know, like, these are the people that Joe Biden always says that he's connected with. Another example, you'll remember that in this past election, J.D. Vance, ugh, won the new senator seat. Now, we have a great senator here, Senator Sherrod Brown, a veteran senator. Sherrod. He's down with the people. Sherrod. Sherrod, Sherrod, Sherrod. Oh, and during Black History Month, no less. I am so sorry, Sherrod. (laughs) Brown. Brother Sherrod. He's great. He's great. And now we have J.D. Vance, which is just like a total embarrassment. But what I was thinking about this morning is that the Democrat who was running against J.D. Vance, our alternative in the state of Ohio was former Representative Tim Ryan, a Democrat. And you know what? he did as soon as he lost that election he recently joined an advocacy group for pro natural gas that's That's what the democrats in the state are you know (laughs) what i mean it's just like what it's just so and i know that's i know i'm being very sagittarius and like going further out and connecting dots but it does feel significant that even members of the party that say they care about unions that say they care about the environment that, that say they care about you know intersectionality whatever This is an example of how it's like, no, push came to shove, and y'all were not there for this. And they're beholden
0: to this corporate money. I mean, it's hard Mm -hmm. to overstate the amount of money companies like Norfolk Southern spend on both parties Mm -hmm. to get the bills passed that they want passed. And I think, like, what you really see here when you peel back the layers is that these major corporate interests have Congress by the chokehold through the pocketbook, you know? And it's like— It's clear. You can follow these paper trails. But the thing to remember is that even if these politicians say these companies are doing good in this and that, companies don't love you, they don't love us, and they must
1: constantly be checked. And to that point, one last thing I wanted to point out, um, Emily Wright, an activist who lives a few miles away from the derailment site, she wrote a, an opinion piece for the Columbus Dispatch this morning. And she pointed out, I mean, as you also read earlier, Sam, you know, people as far as 30 miles away mm-hmm. from East Palestine are experiencing symptoms. She said that the National Guard has come and gone and that kids are expected to go back to school this week in that area. Wow. And you know, that's really scary for all kinds of reasons, but I think what this connects is, you know, thinking about how our country has handled the pandemic. Um the sense of well, America's got to get back to work. You know, Mm -hmm. everything's okay, even though we know we're still in Mm -hmm. a pandemic, even though we know, obviously, this community is still reeling literally from the cleanup um, of of this disaster. And it's like, kids are already supposed to be back in school. What? Yeah. We got to learn these
2: lessons. And we just need, like, we need a better politic of care in this country. There's just Mm. no politics that center care and taking care of each other. And this is just another example of that. And even our Democrats that are supposed to be, you know, the liberals that give you money and take care of you and they take care of the unions are falling here. And and they're not rushing to support these people. And, you know, there will be a ripple effect into the 2024 election. I promise you that.
0: And this stuff has happened before and it could very well happen again. Norfolk Southern was caught up in a similar crash with similar chemicals in New Jersey just a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Unless it stopped, it will happen again.
1: Um, And I guess to wrap up here, and I love that Sam always has this instinct to like direct us to like what can we do, who can we help in this situation. Emily Wright, the columnist I mentioned, she is a development director for River Valley Organizing. And you can learn more about the work they do at rivervalleyorganizing.org. They focus on issues like voter engagement, environmental justice, mass incarceration, drug policy, issues we should all care about but that are certainly relevant to what's going on in that part of Ohio. So shout out to their work.
0: Yeah. RiverValleyOrganizing.org. Go check them out. All right. We're going to take a break when we come back because this week also has Valentine's
2: Day. Oh, oh, we right. will <laughs> be talking about yes. matters of the heart Ooh, and heartbreak. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field
0: goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
2: Hey there, Zach Stafford, co-host of Vibe Check. And something I heard really early on in my career was this phrase that has never left me. It is, you can't be what you can't see. And for me, that is so true. All of the black people I got to grow up and watch on television, be journalists, and so much more, are the foundation to why I continue to have a media career. And that's the case for so, so many people. And if you're looking for the next generation of influential Black voices in media, you can find all of them on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Schmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back, and we are going to switch gears to talk about a love hangover that is today, the day after Valentine's Day. So while we know yesterday was a celebration of love for some, for others, it brings quite a bit of sadness. And listen, girl, I have been there. I have just been recently lucky to not be there today. (laughs) Uh, Let me tell you that, and we'll get into that, too. But before even Valentine's Day hit, we received a touching letter from one of our listeners, and it inspired us to have a full-blown segment on love and loss Kim, we are here for you and we hope this helps and we hope you're okay with us reading a bit of your letter. You wrote in and you said, hi y'all, I've been a day one listener and a fan of each of you for what seems like forever. You all get my weekly vibe absolutely correct and I thank you for that. I know you gave some great advice about surviving the holidays. We now just curb people with that phrase. That's not what we do. It's done wonders. Yeah. Do you have advice about breakups? My partner and I just broke up after two years together, which in queer years is an eternity. And that is right. Queer years are that different. Hey, U- nothing but a word. <laughs> that's true. That's 20 years of
1: heterosexual marriage for those of you listening. 100%. <laughs> that's the side conversion system. There's
2: dog years and then there's queer years. Queer, queer years, years. <laughs> queer years yeah. even oh. longer. Longer. Uh, uh, well, she continues. <laughs> I'm trying to feel all the feelings, and I could definitely use some of your brilliant insights about how to process and move on. I have complete faith that your wisdom would be very black and very amazing, and it might soothe my soul so I can feel anything other than sad again. Ah, uh, Kim, we've been there. We've all been yeah. there. I think I, I can speak for all of us. We've, yeah, yeah. we've Heart been heartbroken.
1: How could we not? Yes. How could we not? Because it's not just romantic relationships, and I think we're going to get into this. Um, You know, love exists in all forms, which means that loss exists in all forms as well. Yes, yeah. Um, To get us started, you know, Kim, I feel for you. Oh, my God. You know, when you're in the depths of that heartbreak, part of what's so difficult is that you can't see the borders of that feeling. And so there's no horizon, you know, and it just, it, whenever you're an intense feeling and you can't see a horizon, to me, I think it's very scary because it, yeah. you, your mind goes, oh, it's going to be this way forever. We have to remind ourselves mm-hmm. what you are feeling is valid and potent, um, but it will not be that way forever. And I just think, and I talk about this a lot, you know, in our culture culture, We do have this sense that there's like this timer of reasonable reaction Mm -hmm. where you're Mm -hmm. supposed to be over something by a certain point. Mm-hmm. And I just think one of the best things you can do when you're getting over heartbreak is not try to speed up, not try to shame yourself for still feeling so intensely. And that could be in terms of like the days and weeks after the breakup. That could be years later, you're in a wonderful relationship, and then a memory out of nowhere hits you. Mm-hmm. And here you are grieving this past relationship, you know? Time doesn't and love, it's not a binary, it's not linear. And so I just think we have to honor the feelings as best we can while saying, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you be my guest for as long as I guess you need to be sitting here with me. But I need to understand too that you are not a resident.
2: (laughs) That is, yes, that's the word. As yeah. a word, and I think a big thing I I see happen a lot with myself and friends of mine who lately I've had a few friends go through breakups. So I'm in I'm mm. in the throes with friends personally right now who I'm on the phone with weekly, helping them get through it, and it's this sense of shame they feel mm. about I let someone love me and I love them so much and then they left me, and I don't know if that's what you're going through right now, but that feeling of I was so in the throes of someone. My life was built around them, and now they've left me and they're no longer there. You start to question the reality of that. And I just need to tell you, don't question the reality. That was real. Everything you felt was real. It was important. It meant everything to you, and it will mean everything to you. And just because it ended doesn't mean it wasn't worth having. Mm. And you also cannot close yourself up to love again. Because I think what heartbreak shows you is that you can open yourself up. You can feel these great pieces of love, great the pressure of love and the pressure of someone else. And it doesn't destroy you if they leave you. And that you also are now bigger to accept more love. And I think you have to look at that kind of horizon that you can't see Decides Point yet, but know it's there. And know when it yeah. hits, there's going to be even bigger love that you can hold on to. That's going to be great. Yeah. I had a matter of the heart a
0: while back that has since resolved itself, but I was like in deep grief over relationship shit. And I remember being mad at myself for Crying as long as I did. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I cried on the toilet. I cried in yoga. I cried in line at the pharmacy. I cried in the car. Every single way you could cry, I did it. I cried like I was an actor in a Tyler Perry movie. I cried like a white Karen yoga mom. I did it all. (laughs) I cried and I screamed. I cried and I whimpered. I cried and I sang. Come on, Fleischman is in trouble. All of (laughs) that. And you know what I finally had to tell myself? "It's like, that's the process and it's yeah. okay. A good friend told me, Brandon, when I was going through this, he said, grief is chemical and it must leave your body. Yeah. It must leave your body. Mm-mm. The hurt and pain you feel over this breakup must leave. And it leaves through crying, it leaves through a boxing class, it leaves through yelling, but it must leave. And so yeah. the catharsis of those emotions isn't just allowed. it's necessary. Damn. So let it happen. And as you're going through that, and as I went through that, a thing I kept telling myself was, no one broken heart is any better than any other broken heart. They are all broken. <laughs> they are all broken. And they're broken in their own way, and they must be repaired and mended, but that takes time. Mm -hmm. You cannot compare your broken heart to someone else's broken heart. You cannot compare the journey of your recovery to someone else's journey. And Mm. you definitely cannot take notes from a rom-com on how to grieve a breakup. It's going to be what it's going to be. And I think for me, what i found is that as we go through this grieving process where there's this catharsis and release, at a certain point, the release starts to subside and you feel quiet. Mm-hmm. And when you feel quiet, that is when you listen to yourself more intently and consciously than ever before, and yourself will tell you something. It'll give you some wisdom. It'll give you some more love and some more joy that will propel you forward. So I urge you as you're going through this breakup to just feel when your body is ready to be quiet. And
3: mm-hmm. when that
0: happens, listen to yourself. Yeah. There is no timetable for this. There is no calendar for this, but this is the way it goes. There's no right or wrong way to do this. Be thoughtful and careful about not hurting yourself or others while you grieve. But besides that, girl, just grieve.
1: Yeah, Get you some good ice cream.
0: Get you some good Netflix. Just grieve.
1: Yeah. Um, Some of y'all listening may know, but certainly Sam and Zach know, that in 2017, I helped launch a live Twitter morning show for BuzzFeed News where I was working at the time. It was such an undertaking. I'm so proud of it. During that time, the summer before I started, dating a guy um, who was really great and very supportive. And listen, when you're dating someone and they're like undertaking a new work thing, like, you know, that's an intense Mm -hmm. undertaking. That man, okay, so just mind you, it's a morning show. (laughs) I'm new to doing a morning show, so everything's hard at that time, right? Only a couple of months into the show, like actually being on the air, that man dumped me at like 10 p.m., on a wednesday night knowing damn well that i had to be up early the next morning mm. um to go in and do the show and i was so you know and like you don't want it to have a bad vibe when you have to do morning yeah. tv and i walked in and our showrunner who was pregnant had gone into labor early that oh very morning i was so angry <laughs> I understood that the relationship had run its course. I was so angry at the way this person who said, well, let's just still be friends, and it's just a da-da-da-da, had still acted. And I felt such a careless way, though he was trying to say he cared about me. And the reason I say this, Kim, is looking back now, it honestly took me two to three years to even just get to the point that just the mere mention of his name didn't make me imagine him getting hit by a New York City bus. Literally, every time I would, so think, I about would him, think about him, I would just… A picture <laughs> This man walking in front of a New York City bus, I was so angry. Mm-hmm. And I think now I had to feel that anger. Like yeah. I, you know, and I was always kind of surprised. I'd be like, okay, girl, it's we're a year and a half yeah. now. You are you are now two twice as far away from mm-hmm. the relationship as you were in the relationship, mm-hmm. but you're still feeling this feeling. But I think I had to feel it. And looking back now, I see how. You have to be ready to do this. I'm not going to say it works for everyone. What I had to do was fall back in love with all the other, I guess, quadrants and sectors of my life. Yeah. I had to fall back in love and with deep gratitude on the the book I was writing, the show that I was doing with my best friend, Isaac Fitzgerald. I had to fall back in love with my friends who were there with me through all of it. You know what I mean? And I can look back now in 2023 and I can see that the way I was able to, via gratitude, fall in love with the rest of my life, it was able to kind of carry me even across the anger to the point that, you know, in fall of 2019, I met this wonderful man who now I'm still dating. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I just – you, you – yeah. You can't yeah. rush it, but I think yeah. you can find you can like honor that energy you have because <laughs> Zach knows yeah. it was oh, like yeah. I couldn't even handle a conversation about this yeah. guy. Mm. But it's like take that energy and like turn it into enthusiasm if yeah. you can. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, and you also have to like listen to your body at this time. I mean, you're going to make really irrational decisions, like mm. you know. So I did not want his. X to actually die. Maybe he did. I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> you're going to go through things where you're going to like say things, but it's just right. your body trying to express itself. Yes. Trying to trying to find the words to express the, the pain that you feel. And, mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, I went through my own breakup when Saeed did with a, a guy in Chicago and I got a job in LA and I was considering the job and he he broke up with me because I was considering a job and I considering a life with him, which is fine. Ooh, at ooh. the time, Child. I was like, okay, I made a choice. He's making mm-hmm. a choice. We're moving on. Not two months later, he was dating his best friend who I knew as his best friend. And it made me begin to reimagine our whole relationship, rewrite the stories of our our love together, thinking he never loved me. he loved this other person. It never mattered, all these things and and I would find myself in fits of rage and I would run into him at events when I'd go to Chicago, and I would you know be angry or I would leave or I would think I'd see him on the street and I'd cross the street and and I thought I was going crazy and uh, and maybe I was, but you know, after some time, I finally realized, you know, I had to let it go. You know, it was causing me more harm, holding on to this, this betrayal I felt that wasn't actually, and when I spoke to him, it, we didn't overlap. It was like, a, he was heartbroken and someone helped him through the heartbreak and he found mm-hmm. love. But, you know, during a breakup, the hardest thing is you got to let go and start working on you and taking care of you. And, and it's that untangling is where all yeah. that kind of tension comes. And it's hard. It's complicated. Yeah, it's really hard. Someone once told me, a good friend of
0: mine, our good friend, Joanna, she said, mm-hmm. emotions are like clouds. When a cloud is above your head, it feels like the only thing that's there, but eventually mm-hmm. a cloud moves on. You can never predict when the cloud will move on, but it will. And you have to remember that, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and like in the midst of being underneath this cloud of the breakup and this cloud of grief, you've still got to like live a life in the meantime. You can't just sit there and watch the cloud till it leaves. You no, can't right. just do that, right? So a thing that is helpful in times like this is just to kind of keep yourself busy, Give yourself a new hobby, plan things for yourself. All the friends you feel comfortable being with, plan activities with them, Mm -hmm. do shit. You know what I'm saying? mm -hmm. And it's not just to distract yourself, but just to build yourself up again. But I know it's so cliche to even say it, but like it will pass. You don't know when, but it will pass. It will. Mm -hmm. will. Also don't cut yourself off to love again. I think that like a lot of times Mm -hmm. when we have love that fails, we think the answer is to never allow ourselves to fall that deeply again. So we get hurt again. That's not the way either. Right. That's not not the way.
1: And I know we have to move on and this could be a whole nother episode, but I just want to make very clear. And the three of us have talked about this. Everything we just said about breakups absolutely applies to friend breakups too. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely applies to friend breakups too. And as we've also discussed Often friend breakups can be even more difficult because you feel Mm -hmm. you're like, well, we weren't dating, but you know everything we just said though. Uh Uh-huh. Go back, hit replay on the podcast and just like go back and re-listen. Yeah. It it all applies.
0: Anybody hearing this who is dealing with grief over a romantic breakup or a friend breakup, you know what always helps? a licensed mental health professional. Hello. 100%. If you're not seeing a therapist, on, somebody. you should. It helps always. I know it's
2: hard to afford. I know it's hard to find, but if you can make that happen, make it happen. Yeah. And there are sliding scale programs. There's resources. You know, if you're really desperate and looking for something, email us. And I think I can point you to a website. There is this website. I can't think of it, but there are websites out there that help you find something in your area. And I'd be more than happy to send them over to you. Yeah. And Kim, I I think this definitely relates to you as a queer person is that queer breakups are a whole other level. Just like queer time is different. Queer breakups are different because so many of us have been rejected by our families, weren't able to have those teenage love affairs, have a lot of arrested development around our emotions and love. So when you finally find that person that you felt safe enough to try it with, it does feel like the world is ending because you finally got to step into a world that was what you always imagined and dreamed of. So I think have compassion for yourself and also name it. Your heartbreak, maybe. I know Sam said all heartbreaks are heartbroken, but those rainbow heartbreaks, baby. (laughs) Those are bigger. Those are bigger. (laughs) So, but um, but Kim, thank you. Thank you. And others, write in to us if you have advice for Kim or you just have stories you want to share. I think sometimes the most important thing to do when you're going through a heartbreak is just telling your story. So write it down to us, send it to us, we will read it. Also,
0: I'm curious to hear our listeners' heartbreak playlists. What do you listen to? Oh, yeah. What is your heartbreak yeah, song of choice? Yeah, sometimes it's like,
1: I don't want to listen to necessarily quote-unquote oh, breakup sometimes music. You know, I sometimes I want to live in it, baby. But <laughs> <laughs> well, trust and
2: believe, you know, you got to have that sizzle playlist ready. You yes, you should. The, yep. should the- <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take another quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: Escape to Ocean City, Maryland.
1: All right, my loves, we are back. And before we end the show, of course, we like to share something that's helping us keep
2: our vibes right this week. Zach, why don't you go first? Yeah, I'd love to go first. So in... Kind of an ode, I guess, of sorts to our last conversation about breakups. I'm really loving Kalela, the artist Kalela. Her name is spelled K-E-L-E-L-A. She's best friends with Solange. She has a new album out called Raven, and it is just wonderful. It's her first album in over five years. She kind of disappeared. And what's amazing about Kalella is her fans on Twitter were like, girl, take your time we're not rushing you. Unlike okay, Rihanna love fans,
1: unlike Rihanna mm-hmm. fans who were like, where's our or, album? And let, let's,
2: let, you know, is the fans. impatience
1: in the room with us now? Cause the three of us have definitely been like Beyonce, where are the damn visuals? I love that spirit
2: for her fans. Kalella, we were like, let's take your time. And it's because a lot of her albums were breakup albums. Like she was going okay. through it. So Raven is an album of coming back together after mm. that and kind of the power you have in the process of, you know, stepping out to a new life after heartbreak, but it's a really wonderful album. It's really sonically interesting, and um, if you love Solange, you're gonna love this. It's also okay. very pretentious. I'll just say that. <laughs> okay,
1: so we, <laughs> what do you mean by pretentious?
2: It just has a sound that feels—I don't even know. There's just something like when you heard Solange's second album that no one loved. That also—it felt like it should be in an art show. All of it feels like, too like, smart uh, for uh, me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> there's like, it's something it's pretentious about it? It's not very accessible. Her even her vocals. Oh, you like, don't mean her. Sec-
1: you mean you mean when I. Get- no. Oh,
2: yes, yes, When I Get Home, yes. Her second album felt very like, you know, it was like, because I lived in downtown LA and she hangs out in downtown LA. It was very Mm -hmm. like downtown gallery girl. Like you're listening to this after the warehouse party. So um, Sometimes it feels like she's
0: making music that is
2: smarter than you. Yes, it's a great way
1: to put it. Okay. I don't always hate that. I yeah, hate it. yeah. Listen, yeah. when I get home, I was just like, well, this is called a sex playlist where I come from. You might be calling it an album, but, uh, you know, thank you for doing the work, Solange. Okay, but I'll check that out. Um, Sam, what about you?
0: I want to recommend... One of the best breakup songs of all time Okay. for our listener who sent us the letter that we talked about in the last segment. A lot of folks probably figured out who Bonnie Raitt was for the first time at the mm. Grammys a few weeks ago. Uh, she won for Song of the Year for what's a very good song. But my favorite song of hers that is now decades old is a classic breakup song called I Can't Make You Love Me.
3: I can't make you love me
0: Oh, yes. And I mean, the title says all you yes. need to hear. Okay. Um, it is one of the most beautiful tearjerker songs I've ever heard. And it's one of those songs where you put it on and you play it like five or six times. And even though it's really sad, after that, you feel better.
3: Oh, Anyone
0: yeah. experiencing heartbreak right now, go mm-hmm. listen to that song a few times. Yes, body rage. I can't make you
2: love me. It feels like a release. You saying the same. Yes. I'm like, yes. I have. This is a song that when you listen to it, you're like, I feel it coming out of my body. <sighs> yes. Like it yes. Feels, the grief leaves. Good. Yes. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's kind oh, of like okay. she has a similar effect that uh, Joni Mitchell has in like mm. her Blue album, mm-hmm. um, where it's kind of this like these girls are going through it, and yep. that guitar is really helping them get out of it. Yes. So. Yes.
1: Okay. I always think of, and maybe this is, you know, when you cross that river, or mm. when you're in the like six inch slash sorry phase of the breakup where you're like i'm gonna go out <laughs> yes or what you know what is it um adele's like oh my god phase of the yeah, breakup uh-huh. you know where you're like i uh-huh. shouldn't be doing this but i'm about to do this for tonight yep. i feel like bonnie ray isn't it um let's give him something to talk about yeah, exactly let's, you know yeah. what i mean that's like uh-huh. you know let's go to the oh, yeah. club let's sit oh, yeah. in the yeah. most conspicuous place possible mm-hmm. i got yeah. my freakum mm-hmm. dress on yeah
2: and those two songs you just mentioned are like examples of why Bonnie Raitt won that song of the year because we all know her music. You just don't right. remember her. Exactly. Like They are like classics. And baby, she's a poet. Just the first
0: few lines of this song, yeah. just, just to give you a taste. She says, turn down the lights, turn down the bed, turn down these voices inside my head. Oh, come on, Bonnie. She's going hey. there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll close my eyes, then I won't see the love you don't feel when you're holding me. Oh. Come on.
2: Turn it on, Kim. Turn it on. It's (laughs) going to help you, girl. Turn it on.
0: (laughs)
1: Wow.
2: Anywho, that is my recommendation. Said, what are you vibing with this week?
1: As the poet of the group who, like, loves to just full-on go into an existential spiral when, you know, world (laughs) events break my heart, um, being friends with Sam, it's, like, one of the things I love that Sam always directs us to. He's like, let's go deep. Let's talk about what's going on. Let's not sugarcoat it. But then, as always, like, let's make space to think about what we can do next, right? Mm. Um, and in the case of what's going on in East Palestine, it's not just a story of environmental disaster as we've discussed. This is also like a labor story, right? Yes. You know, like union workers working on those trains have been warning us for years that something like this could happen. And I think both we need to acknowledge what's going on in the specific situation. Situation, but we also need to look forward, right? Because this is not the last time it's going to happen. And so, thinking about labor, I want to recommend a book that I'm now rereading, getting back into. Um, it's by Kim Kelly, an excellent reporter. It's called "Fight Like Hell: The Untold History of American Labor," and it's really exciting because, you know, I mean, maybe when you think about labor, you think about movements out of mines or, right, like the garment factory workers, and that's a part of this book too. But Bayer Rustin is in this book. She takes oh. us to queer sex workers unionizing. You know what I mean? So it really is that untold history. And I think Kim Kelly does an excellent job kind of connecting the dots. And mm-hmm. the lesson that is always the case with disasters, like here in Ohio, is that You may think because you don't work on a train that their concerns as union workers don't have shit to do with you. Surprise, it does, right? We are all connected. You may think garment factory workers or coal miners or sex workers. You may think because you're not a sex worker that their rights, that their autonomy is not your business. But guess what? We are all entwined because that's what Mm -hmm. it means to be a society. And I think Kim Kelly does an excellent job of saying, like, we've got to all fight like hell for each other.
0: Yeah. But also, it's like all of this shit is part of the supply chain. Hello. If one of these links falls apart, it affects something you need in your home.
1: Mm-hmm. All of yeah. it. All of it. was. Also, so it Kim did. Kelly
0: is a real one, she covered the hell out of the Amazon union busting stuff for a yes. long time. She yeah. is. She's on great. It. Big fan of her work. Really She's
2: fantastic. great. fantastic. And labor organizing is some of the most important organizing in the history of America. So the civil rights movement was very much about labor Come organizing. On. By Rustin, you yeah. know, gay black icon labor organizing absolutely so that.
1: check it out the book is called fight like hell and follow kim kelly on social media just because you're right it, it's one of those I, we, you hear this you know for people who pay attention to social justice news no one's covering this no one's covering this kim kelly is kim consistently
2: covering those kinds of stories she's a so, real one yeah. we salute you kim and We people salute you. are listening to people like her so Herler.
1: Yeah killer. Mm-hmm. All right, friends. Well, that's it for us. What are you feeling or not feeling this week? What's your vibe? Do you have a love hangover? Check in with us at vibecheckatstitcher.com. All right, thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Vibe Check. If you love the show and want to support us, please make sure to follow the show on your favorite podcast listening platform and tell a friend. Also, can we tell them there's a billboard of us? Yes. Somewhere in New York? There's a hey, billboard hey, hey. in New
2: York. <laughs> York. I think it's in Times Square. In Times Square. <laughs> also, if y'all are out
1: there, go take a picture for
2: us. Please take a New picture because right right the three of there. us are not in New York right now yeah. <laughs> So on Friday, we will be on the Jennifer Hudson show, which oh, we Hunter, can now right? finally share with people. Mm-hmm. Hello.
0: And we are Ted. Telling you oh. <laughs> 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 we are on
2: daytime TV. check daytime, Your... was supposed honey. to
1: love me. Yeah. we got it we got it, we got it.
2: <laughs> oh my god well, yes yeah, so look at us in Times Square look at us on TV on Friday and tell your friends that our show is because yeah. you know your love helps and huge thank you to our producer Shanta Holder who has been holding us down this week with our two episodes also thank you to Brendan Burns and Marcus Hom for our theme music and sound design special thanks to our executive producers Nora Richie at Stitcher and Brandon Sharp from Agenda Management and Production and last but not least thank you to Jared O'Connell and Amelda Skinder for all Of their help,
0: listeners. Y'all know we always want to hear from you. Do not forget, you can email us at vibecheck at stitcher.com and keep in touch with us on Instagram at Sam Sanders, at Zach Staff, and at The Ferocity. When you tweet about the show, use the hashtag VibeCheckPod. Also, find us on TikTok at VibeCheckPod. All right, stay tuned for another episode next Wednesday. Till then. Whether you're in love or breaking up this Valentine's week, be good to yourselves and your heart. Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye.
3: Stitcher.